Brother Ken. Amen. Tonight we'll be singing I Stand Amazed in the Presence or some entitled it My Savior's Love. We'll, uh, we'll just help us and sing along with us at home tonight. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall of blood for mine he took my sins and my sorrows he made them his very own he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall that so much tonight. I love that song. In fact, I love to hear our choir sing it, to be honest with you, and I miss them doing so. Looking forward to the day when we're all back in here together and we can sing that song together. I'm going to give you our prayer request tonight, and as always, we invite you all to please put your prayer request in our chat feature, uh, whatever platform you're using, and we always pray about those things that you put in. First of all, I want to say thank you to those who have prayed so uh, 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 ferociously on behalf of Sister Lisa Coffey. She's home, uh, but she's got a long ways of recovery yet, so please continue to lift up Sister Lisa. Lisa, we know you're watching, and so we want you to know we love you, we miss you, we're praying for you. Please pray, if you would, for Sister Betty Canode. Uh, she goes, as we've mentioned, on July the 20th for uh, knee replacement surgery. They want you to be praying for Sister Annette Rohr. We've been putting out that Annette has got to have some open heart surgery, uh, but her husband had to take her in today uh, to Martinsville uh, for heart condition issues. So please lift up Annette, if you would, uh, as they make plans for that surgery and take care of the issues at hand. Uh, please continue to pray for Chelsea. Chelsea's continuing to keep us updated, and she's got even more complications than what we described on Sunday. So Chelsea really needs a touch from the Lord and Sister Vicki Turner as well. And I know several of you have got requests that you will put into the chat feature. 
So we want to encourage you to do that, and we'll make those matter of prayer as well. I'm going to uh, open us up tonight in prayer. Trio, you all come get ready to sing for us if you would, and join me tonight in prayer together. Lord, we love you tonight, and we're thankful once again to be able to assemble ourselves together on a Wednesday night. Lord, for Bible study. Lord, we continue to believe that even from the remote offering, you're able to bless those who tune in. So we thank you for the technology that we're able to do just that. Lord, now is our prayer time, and we're thankful to be able to bear one another's burdens as you've commanded us in your word. We're thankful for answered prayer on behalf of Sister Coffee. But Lord, we know she's got a long way to go, so I pray that you'd continue to touch her. Bless those that are caring for her. Lord, I pray that you'd reach down right now and bless uh, Sister Annette Rohr. Lord, you know the significant issues that she's facing, and Chelsea as well, that you would reach down and touch her. And Lord, for those that are facing surgeries, those that are facing procedures, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them as well. Lord, I ask that you just meet with us tonight, that you would take the music, take the message, may it uplift and glorify your son Jesus, for you've told us in your word that if we'll lift him up, you would draw men and women, boys and girls unto you, so we're going to take you at your word tonight. Bless the trio as they sing, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, folks. Rocked by waves and howling winds And the storm that threatened them The disciples sailed a boat on Galilee They were tired and full of fright They had fought the storm all night Then the master came walking on the sea Afraid, for it is I in the fourth watch of the night. You fought and prayed, but I am here, and it's all right. The storm will rage, the winds will blow, but they are under my control. It won't be long till morning breaks me not afraid. said that they've done all that they can do around the clock the family prays but helps already on the way without a doubt another doctor's in the room be not afraid for it is i in the fourth wide of the night you fought and prayed but I am here and it's alright the storm will rage the winds will blow but they are under my control it won't be long till morning breaks be not afraid be not afraid for it is I fourth watch of the night you fought and prayed but i am here and it's all right the storm will rage the winds will blow but they are under 
trio i appreciate that so much that's another song i can't wait for our choir to sing when we all get back together love that song as well love to hear brother scott sing it and uh, trio you all nailed that tonight thank you so much one or two quick announcements before brother ken comes to get us one more song to sing thank you to those who have continued to support our back to school uh, program we're honored to stand with that organization and uh, we appreciate so much the opportunity to have a part in that uh, folks that have been bringing things in on Sundays, reminder that this coming Sunday is our date for composition books, both the spiral as well as the bound, if you would bring those in and then continue to think about and pray about whether or not you can support a child. Remember, it's only $20 per child, and that purchases both the book bag and the pair of shoes for the child for the upcoming year. So again, thank you for that support and continue to pray about that if you would. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing, and then we will get into the Word tonight. Amen. We'll sing a couple of verses of Showers of Blessings. We'll do the first and last verse of Showers of Blessings tonight. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Sent from the Savior above Showers of blessing Showers of blessing we need Mercy drops round us are falling But for the showers we plead There shall be showers of blessing Oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing. Now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers we plead. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ken. Appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you for doing that. First Peter in your Bibles, if you would, please. First Peter in your Bibles, chapter number two. We will read uh, three verses tonight. Love that song as well. We could use some showers spiritually and physically. A buddy of mine posted on social media yesterday. Uh, he lives down in Texas, and he posted on social media yesterday uh, a picture of the temperature in his car. And it showed 113 degrees uh, down there in Texas where he lives. And he put out on social media, he said, anybody know a place hotter than this? And I sent him a text message and reminded him that I do, in fact, uh, know a place hotter than that. And I'm glad I ain't a-going there. Amen. Uh, thank you, James, for the great uh, lesson tonight on Job. Uh, Job is one of those uh, characters in the Bible that is so often misunderstood and misquoted. When we talk about Job, people inevitably think about, quote, the patience of Job. But the book of Job is not about patience. 
but rather the book of Job is a reminder of several things that James brought out tonight, and I loved how he talked about that critical passage in verse 21, that naked I was when I came into the world, and naked, I'm paraphrasing, when I go out, but blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well done tonight. First Peter, if you would, please, chapter 2. I want to read three verses, the first three verses of the chapter. Peter, writing to believers, and he says in verse number one, Wherefore, those of you who are in my church, you know I always tell you to ask yourself, what's the wherefore therefore? And the wherefore always connects back to what has just been talked about. So let's go back to verse 24. For all flesh is of chapter 1. For all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Surely Peter's talking about summer. Somebody say amen right there. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Verse 1, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, and notice verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If I could kind of just take a moment to paraphrase those three verses, I might say it something like this. If God has been good to you, if you've tasted of the things of God and you know that God is good, then we are commanded in much the way that newborn babes desire that milk. We are commanded... To pursue the word so that we can continue to grow in grace. Let me start tonight by reminding us that man is a strange and complex creature. We are controlled by many different appetites. So often when we think about appetites, we we think about food. And certainly... A physical hunger-induced appetite is one of the things that motivates us. When we get up in the morning, having fasted all night long, many folks will break the fast with something we call breakfast because our stomach's growling. We crave a cup of coffee or diet soda or whatever you drink to get your caffeine fixed. You, 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 you got to fill that appetite, and if you don't, satisfy or satiate that appetite, your body begins to let you know that you need to do something. If you've got a manual job that you do every day and you go all day without eating, you know there's repercussions for that because that appetite is unsatisfied. We have, a, in addition to those physical appetites, we have emotional appetites. Most everybody longs to connect with another person, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friend, whether it's someone in your family. We have that desire, that innate desire to be socially and emotionally connected to someone else. God made us a physical creature. We've got a physical appetite. God made us emotional creatures. We have emotional appetites. 
And most folks do a fine job of satisfying their physical appetite as looking at the fact that most of us could use a few pounds. Most of us do a fine job of satisfying our, our social emotional appetite. But where many of us fail is we don't do what we need to do to satisfy that third appetite, which is what I'm going to call a spiritual appetite. God created us as a triune being made in his image. We've got physical, we've got emotional, and we've got spiritual. And again, everybody satisfies their physical appetite. Most everybody satisfies their social-emotional appetite. But the one that so often gets neglected, even by believers, is satisfying that spiritual appetite. So I want to give you a lesson tonight, a message that I'm entitling, Hungry for God. Hungry for God. In these three verses, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 1, 2, and 3, Peter gives us what I'm going to give you as a four-step plan for how to satisfy or how to create, if you will, that hunger for God. Let me, let me preface by saying, you don't have to do anything to know that you need a meal. Your hunger will let you know that it's time to eat. You don't have to do anything to let you know that you want a social or emotional connection with somebody. Your loneliness will do that for you. But hear what I'm about to say. We will never develop a spiritual appetite by accident. We have to be determined, we have to be dedicated, and we have to be steadfast uh, in that determination to be connected to God, to grow an appetite for God, and to let God satisfy that appetite. So four things that I'll get us to look at click quickly, all four found in these three verses. Number one, God gives us his plan. He gives us his plan. Notice, if you would please, the last clause of verse number two. Notice what it says, that ye may grow thereby. That ye may grow thereby. Let me make a very simple statement tonight, if I may. I've heard preaching all of my life about God's perfect will and his permissive will. I've had people in my office asking me to pray about uh, helping them discover and to discern the will of God for their lives. I've always told my family and my church to make sure that we've got, we stay in the center of God's will. That's so critical for us. Uh, but oftentimes, it's difficult to pinpoint the exact minutia. But here's what I can tell you uh, in a very real sense that is the will of God for everybody. God's will is that we grow in grace. God does not save us so that we remain babes in Christ. How do I know that? Second Peter, you don't have to turn, verse 3, the very last verse of Second Peter, verse 18 says, a commandment, by the way, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever, amen. I've known, I'm not being unkind, but I am being blunt tonight. I've known people who've been saved 20, 30, 40 years uh, physically. They've been enrolled in the church all of their lives, but spiritually they're still on the cradle roll. 
I've known believers uh, who understand uh, what it means to be an adult, but spiritually, uh, they are still a babe in Christ. Would you listen to me? Uh, God's perfect will uh, is that we grow uh, so that we can reproduce and help others grow in the Lord. Uh, God did not save us so that we could forever remain babes in Christ. There's a plan. There's a plan, and the plan is, I'm going to be blunt, Christians, we got to grow up. The plan is, Christians, we got to grow up. So not only is there a plan, but God in his infinite grace, wisdom, and mercy also gives us his provision. He also gives us his provision. If it is his will that we grow in grace, then the next question ought to be, what does it take to make that happen. How do we grow in grace? Well, we know how we satisfy our physical appetite. We eat, and we eat, and we eat again. How do we satisfy our social-emotional appetite? We connect with other people. We do it face-to-face. We do it electronically. We utilize a whole host of platforms. That's how we satisfy that social-emotional appetite. But what's the provision to satisfy the spiritual appetite? How do we grow in God? Let's go back to verse 2. As newborn babes, comma, notice the next clause, desire the sincere milk of the word. Let me stop a moment and say this is not a suggestion. This is not open rhetoric. But this is an absolute commandment of God that as believers, we should desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. What does that mean? Well, it means, number one, that if we're going to really take advantage of the provisions that God gives us, we have to recognize that He gave us His Word to feed us. He gave us His Word to feed us. Remember, folks, go back and read Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And it references over and over and over about the effectiveness or the efficacy of the Word of God. There are far too many today who treat the Word as a Sunday morning reference guide. They treat the Word as something that is occasionally opened and occasionally taken in. But would you listen to me tonight? The Bible, the Word of God, it contains all the essential spiritual vitamins, the essential spiritual nutrients to mandate that we have healthy spiritual growth and maturity. And just so you know that I know what I'm talking about, let me give you some of the biblical references. You don't need to turn to any of them. But I'll remind you that ingesting the Word of God promises us a strong back. It promises us good feet. It promises good hands, a strong stomach, clear eyes, uh, good ears, uh, a silenced tongue. We could park right there for a moment. A silenced tongue, uh, a wise heart, uh, a godly mind. All of these things, uh, we are told, uh, will be impacted by ingesting the Word of God. Simply put tonight, folks, if I may be very blunt, the reason so many believers never become spiritually mature is they're just not eating. They're just not eating. If you have someone in your family that struggles with an eating disorder, you know how challenging that is. My wife and I have experienced that in our family. 
We recognize, we understand the challenges that are associated with an eating disorder. It is simply unusual and a disorder for somebody not to eat food. Look at me. Listen. It is equally wrong and equally problematic for a child of God not to eat God's food. Number one, a plan. Number two, provision. Number three, there's a problem. There's a problem. For it says in verse number one, wherefore, laying aside. Let me stop there. Let me stop there. What's that mean? That means that if we're going to do what it says in verses 1 and 2 and 3, and we're truly going to become spiritually mature, there are some things that we're going to have to lay aside. These are things that will be overly problematic if we're trying to eat physically, spiritually, emotionally, the Word of God. What are they? Look at them. Verse 1, wherefore, laying aside all malice, that's hatred, all guile, all hypocrisies and envies, and look at that next phrase, and all evil sayings. This is by no means an exhaustive list. This is the tip of the iceberg, but it reminds us that if we're really going to ingest the Word of God, if we're really going to grow spiritually, there are some things that we have to put aside. Some things that if we don't put aside, they will prohibit us from really taking advantage of the Word of God. Let me give it to you like this. If you've ever been a parent, you know that oftentimes when kids come home from school, they're starving to death. I can remember when my kids were still in school, and uh, they would come home. Uh, in me, I remember when I was in school, I always wanted a snack. I always wanted something to eat. In fact, even when I was teaching third grade, our lunch block time was at 1045. By the time the day was over, I starved to death. So inevitably, I'd come home, make myself a sandwich, uh, pop something in the microwave, heat something up, uh, grab some chips or something. I needed a snack uh, to get me through. Every so often, I'd eat too much. And mom and daddy would get awfully upset. You know why? Because I ruined my dinner. Because mama would cook dinner or daddy would cook dinner. Uh, and, and now I've eaten too much. And I don't want anything to eat now at dinner time uh, because I've been ingesting on the snacks. Uh, and now I no longer have the appetite that I need at dinner time. Can I, can I, can I, can I liken that for you tonight? Far too many believers are nibbling on the things of the world. They're snacking on the mess and destructiveness of this world, on the guile and the hypocrisies and the evil sayings. And when it comes time to have that spiritual appetite, we're just not hungry because we're full of the world. Likewise, if you've ever been a parent, you know that it's awfully hard to feed a screaming baby. You know that you've got to settle that baby down and get that baby comfortable before you can begin to feed that baby because that baby will not be fed while it's screaming. 
Look at me, folks. Listen to me. The same principle applies to us as God's children. We cannot be fed of the Word of God while we're screaming and complaining about the things of the world. we got to settle down and let God ingest His Word into us. I'm always reminded of the prodigal. Luke 15. The prodigal, as you well know, found himself in the pig pen. He's fighting off the pigs for something to eat. And in that, oh, please get me on this. In that moment, the prodigal has a choice. Do I want to eat the slop or do I want to eat my daddy's table? Do I want to eat what the pigs are casting aside or do I want to go sit down with my father and ingest the best there is? Oh, friend, I hope you'll hear me tonight. There are far too many today who are satisfied with a slop. They are satisfied with the junk. And look, you ain't got to go far to find junk today. You ain't got to scroll too far to find junk today. And if you're not careful, you can get inundated with junk today and snacking on the junk of the world. And even though there's a place sitting for you at the Father's table, we don't belly up to it because we're too full. You understand tonight, church, that sin will keep us from eating. The interesting thing is that when you properly eat the Word of God, spiritually speaking, it keeps you from sin. A song uh, that uh, the Henson uh, loved to sing, one of my favorites that they do, uh, sin kept me from the book, but now the book keeps me from sin. Number one tonight, there was a plan. Number two, there's provision. Number three, there's a problem. You've got to lay aside some stuff. And then finally, number four, there is a procedure. I don't think I need to tell anybody how to satisfy your physical hunger. Go to the refrigerator, open the door, and find you something to eat. I don't need to tell you how it is that you satisfy that growling stomach. You go to your cupboard, find something there, pull it out, fix you something to eat. I don't need to tell most folks uh, how to satisfy that deep-seated emotional need that we all have. Uh, you connect with somebody. You satisfy that social emotional need. But how do you satisfy or create a spiritual appetite? Go back to verse 2 tonight. Point number 4, we're done. As newborn babes... Immediately, he likens us to newborn babes, and he gives us an important verb. He says, desire. Desire. The sincere milk of the word. We all know what the word desire means. It means to want to. It means to develop a want to to take care of it. You know, I'm very blessed to have been at Amazing Grace and then Stanley Town's Amazing Grace going on 20 years now. Blessed to have been preaching for 25 years. I'm 50 years old. I've spent 28 years in the education system, and I'm thankful for all of that. Can I, can I tell you the most grandiose thing that I've learned in 20 years of pastoring, 25 of preaching, 28 of being an educator? The most deeply theological thing that I could ever tell any Bible student anywhere, any place. It's really, really deep. Here it is. People do about what they want to do. Despite all the preaching, despite all the praying, despite all the pleading, 
despite all the begging people do about what they want to do. My wife has probably gotten very tired of me, of me saying this to her. But those of you who are part of the sandwich generation, you know what that means. You've got children, and some of your children now are having children, but your parents are still alive. And so you care for your parents because that's what we do. You care for your children because, as my mother reminded me, you never stop loving those kids. You always stay the mama and the daddy. And so we're to the point in our lives where Renee and I are often discussing things that our parents need to do. They need to go to this doctor. They need to get this fixed. They need to get this checked. They need to take care of this problem. We need to get that. And I don't think my wife will mind me saying this. It goes all over her. So how do I handle it? I look at her, and she can quote it as often as I say it. I look at her and say, I'm done arguing with grown folks. Not arguing with grown-ups and grown people. You know why? Because people do what they want to do. Let me give it to you another way. We will never develop a spiritual appetite unless we want one. There are unfortunately tonight far too many believers who are very satisfied with having no spiritual appetite. We would never dream of going days and days and days without food. We have no problem going days and days without the milk of the Word of God. We would never dream of going days and days and days with no connection to anybody, but we would never think about having a spiritual connection. You hear me? we got to have a desire. I'm done with this. Not only do we need a desire, but that desire is followed with a description. With a description. Because when the Bible says the milk of the Word of God, it also describes it as the sincere the sincere, again, verse 2, newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Let me give you an analogy that I hope will make sense to you. My church knows this. I've spent the better part of my adult life trying to lose 25 pounds. I mean, my stars, I think most of you can relate. Uh, forever trying to lose 25. I've actually lost about 250 pounds. It's just those 25 pounds 10 different times over. And one of the things that I know if I'm trying to lose weight that I have to give up is milk. I love milk in all of its forms, especially when it's turned into ice cream. That's the best form of milk. And so I remember... Several years ago, when my doctor first told me that I had to lose 25 pounds, mind you, he needed to lose 125, but that's beside the point. He told me I had to lose 25 pounds. And he began to tell me all of the things that I needed to do. And the first thing he said is, you need to switch. He asked me what kind of milk I drink. I said, we drink whole milk. And he said, you got to get off of that. And I said, what do you mean, Doc? He said, I said, do you mean 2%? He said, no. I said, do you mean 1%? He said, no. I said, don't tell me. He said, you need to be drinking skim milk. Most of you know, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody who works on a dairy farm, but skim milk ain't nothing but colored water. You see, there's skim milk that to me is just, I'd rather not even drink it. Then there's 1% milk, that's tolerable. 2%, that's okay. 
But boy, there ain't nothing like a cold glass of whole milk. The only thing better than that's a cold bowl of ice cream with some whole milk poured over top of it. <laughs> you understand tonight, folks, what we're getting at. If you're going to really ingest the Word of God, we don't need to be living off of a skim milk menu. There are far too many tonight who are living off of a 1% or a skim milk menu when God says you can have the sincere, the whole word of God. And if you listen carefully and ingest it enough, it might even turn into some spiritual ice cream for you. If you're going to grow, you got to get the milk in you. This is a theme that not only resonated with Peter, but really resonated with Paul as well. To the Corinthian church, he said, I want to give y'all meat. I really want to give you something you can chew on, but you're too busy whining and complaining. All you can handle is a little drop of milk here and there. Look at me, folks. I'm done with this. If we came upon a child, and that child was six, seven, eight years old, but had not grown an inch since he was two, we would immediately think something's happening. If you came upon a teenager, and that teenager's not going through a typical growth spurt, and that teenager's the same size he or she was when he or she was five years old, we'd instantly think, what is wrong? Same principle applies to our spiritual appetite as well. It's not something we take for granted. It's something we've got to develop, we've got to devour, and we've got to digest. Two questions, I'm done. What satisfies you? What satisfies us tonight? What do we get excited over? Number two, are we growing? I had a conversation today. Promise I'm finished. I had a conversation today with a church member who called with some real issues that he's dealing with. And he said to me, preacher, it's so hard today. Without the church as we know it, it makes it even harder. You know what? He's exactly right. Growing in grace is challenging in the best of times. In the situation we're in now, it's even harder. That don't mean you throw in the towel. That just means you ingest a little bit more. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for a few moments to remind ourselves about the importance of developing a spiritual appetite. God, I'm reminded that such will never develop on its own. God, it's just not going to happen by accident. we got to feed it. For whatever we feed is that which grows. And Lord, if we don't feed ourselves with the Word of God, then spiritually we just never grow. And what ends up happening, God, we know is we get full of the world and full of the junk. And spiritually, we just cave. Lord, I pray that tonight that you'd help all of us to be reminded about the importance of, of feasting on the things of God. It's not that the table's not spread. You've told us that. Lord, you even spread a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But Lord, we just don't belly up to it. We just don't come and dine like you told us that we should. So God, help us to quit living on the light end, but start feasting on the whole pure milk and meat of the Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to reach into homes tonight. We sure love you, and we are stand amazed how you love us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Folks, thank you as always for tuning in to our Wednesday night Bible study. Don't forget to join us Sunday morning. Uh, we back our services up to 10 a.m. for the month of July. Uh, uh, again, so we'll start at 10 a.m. this coming Sunday for our drive-in service. We'll also be live streaming as well. Don't forget about the school supplies for back to school. We love you. God bless you. We sure miss you. And we can't wait to see you Sunday.